Welcome back to Running Deep. Today, I'm going to share a little bit about what I've been learning from Romans 8 and the hope that we have in Easter. Easter is upon us. We are in Holy Week right now, and Easter is one of my favorite times of year, but it didn't always used to be that way. Um, When I was a kid, Our family was more of the birthdays and Christmas were the must celebrate holidays. And then Easter was like a, we'll celebrate it. It's important, but we don't have to get together with all the family if we don't need to. But the older I get, the more I realize that Easter is such an important holiday and something that we should celebrate. And, um, That's because that's the holiday that we celebrate the empty tomb, the risen Savior, and that is life-changing. But I think that some believers have a hard time grasping why it's so important because we try to avoid pain. We try to avoid suffering. And therefore, if we don't have a good view, a good grasp of coming face-to-face with sin and death and brokenness, then we can't understand the magnitude of how great a risen Savior is and how awesome our salvation is. So um, just sharing from um, what I've been learning the last few weeks, this last week, um, is it's got some special significance for me. Not only is it the week of Easter, but also... This week, on March 30th, marks 10 years from our very first miscarriage. So we have lost five babies, and our first miscarriage was 10 years ago, uh, before we had Naomi. And also this week, on March 28th, so yesterday, it was my due date for our last baby that we lost this fall, and we named that baby Elijah. So it's kind of an odd thing to think about as I come into this week. It's been heavy. It's been a heavy week to think about what could have been or would have been, Um our last baby that we lost, Elijah, was um, we lost him due to another ectopic. We had already had an ectopic, and that ended our journey of being able to have children naturally. And so it feels like almost right now it's an end of a, a decade long journey that we've been on in childbearing years and now it's done and it's over and I've been doing a lot of pondering and a lot of thinking and dates are meaningful to me so as we close this chapter of our life and crazy that it's almost to the day 10 years of the start to the end I don't think it's a coincidence that it's around Easter, and I think that it's such a gift that it falls on Easter because we have a hope. We don't grieve without hope, and today I just wanted to share a little bit about the hope that we have, the empty tomb, 
gives me hope for my empty womb. And that's just been really resonating in my mind. So like I said earlier, I've been meditating on Romans 8 and just wanted to point out some things that I have been learning through Romans 8 and the hope that we have. But first I wanted to just give definition, define suffering a little bit. And I talked some about this in a live video that I did actually right after uh, we had lost Elijah in September. So I can post the link to that video that talks more about suffering definitions and maybe helpful things to do while you're in suffering. So I'll post the link to that after this is done. But I defined in that video, and I'll read it again, because I think Elizabeth Elliot in her book, Suffering's Never for Nothing, uh, has an incredible definition, really helpful working definition that says, suffering is having what you don't want or wanting what you don't have. And that's very simplified, I get it. But really, when you think about it, if someone receives news that they have cancer, they have something that they don't want, or if someone is longing and praying for a spouse and they are in singleness and waiting for the Lord to bring that right spouse, they want something that they don't have. But Psalm 8411 says that the Lord God is our sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor and no good thing does he withhold from those who love him. Or other versions say from those who walk blameless before him. We can trust God's good hand because we know that when suffering comes our way, when loss, when trials come, we can trust that God is doing something. It's not meaningless and he's doing it for our good and his glory. So as we walk through Romans 8, as I walk through it, walk through it that definition of suffering Whatever that is for you right now, it might not be, it might not look like my story, but we all go through trials. Just keep that in your mind as we think about the hope that we have in, in Christ and his resurrection. But the first thing in Romans 8, 1, it talks about, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So, our first hope is that condemnation does exist and sin exists in our world. Therefore, we need a savior. And because sin exists, suffering exists. Our suffering, I love, I think um, Jake said this in a sermon several months ago. Our suffering in general exists because of sin. But specifically, it doesn't always have to exist because of sin. So, Sin entered the world, brokenness came into our world, and we were separated from God. The world became a decaying world, and because of that, our sin and brokenness causes suffering. We get sick, people die, um, there's just selfishness and brokenness among relationships, the list goes on and on. So. Sin in general, or suffering in general, is caused by sin. But when we look at a suffering or a trial that we're going through in our life, it might not be a direct result that you sinned, therefore this happened. And this is something that I really wrestled with after our fourth miscarriage. Um, we had a couple in a row, and 
last year and I really wrestled with this. I wrestled with the thought of, Lord, is there some unconfessed sin in my life that I am paying dues for? Or what, what, what is the meaning of this? And the more and more I thought about it and prayed about it, the more the Holy Spirit just really revealed to me that that is something that we so often think because we did this, therefore this happens. But if we really believe that, if we think that uh, you only go through suffering because you sin, then what do we do with Jesus? Because Jesus lived a perfect life and he went through so much suffering and trials and ultimately ended in an undue death. So if we really believe that, we we really don't believe that because we believe that Jesus was a perfect man and he died a death that he didn't deserve. It's like pruning. Um, I'm reading this book uh, by Hannah Anderson. I should have, oh, here it is. It's called Turning of Days. And actually, if you come to the women's event April 23rd, on Friday, April 23rd, I'm going to be giving away a free one of these, Turning of Days. Um, There's a chapter on pruning, and she shares the analogy of pruning in the winter, and sometimes the gardener has to prune or cut off parts of a vine or a tree because there's disease there's it's dead or there's sickness there's disease in that branch so it has to be cut off and other times the gardener will prune a tree or a vine to create more room for more fruitfulness the next season so she says when we go through trials and suffering I ask was was this suffering was this for disease that I was cut or was it for growth And that's a really good question to ask ourselves and to openly trust God and say, God, whatever the reason, reveal to me if there is unconfessed sin, help me confess it. And if there is none, help me to trust your good hand that you want what is only good for us and for your glory. And we can know for a fact that it is the good that God wants because we see in scripture all over scripture how good God is in his faithfulness just in Romans 8 it's all over Romans 8 um, 15 says we did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but we've received the spirit of adoption as we cry Abba Father the spirit himself bears witness that we are God's children we're God's children and later on it says um, in verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also give us graciously all things? God is our father. And just like our earthly fathers want to give children, their children, good things. God so desires that too. And Romans 8 also has the passage that everyone quotes that we know that for those who love God, God works all things together for our good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So it's all over Romans 8 that God wants our good, but he also wants his own glory. So 
thinking about condemnation, God's good, because God is good, he paid that price for our sin and sent his son to die on the cross. He lived a perfect life. He died that death that he didn't deserve, that we actually deserved, and then he rose again. And that's where our hope is found, is that God made a way. But the greatest hope that we have is not just the empty tomb or the risen Savior. That is amazing news that Jesus was victorious over sin and he conquered death. But the thing that gives me the most hope right now and that I'm just blown away by is the fact that Christ also ascended. He ascended into heaven and just because Jesus ascended. This blows my mind. Jesus conquered death here on earth. He didn't stay here. He ascended into heaven to make a way so that we could be with him one day in heaven. We have a risen Savior, and just like it says in Romans 8, 11, if the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. How amazing is that? That just gives so much hope to me that one day we will rise. We will rise and we will be with Jesus and we will be with him forever and eternity. And that in the midst of trials, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of loss, whatever you're going through today, may that bring you hope. The resurrection that Jesus rose, the empty tomb, we have a picture that we have hope in our suffering But it doesn't even stop there because Jesus rose. Jesus said he had to go away so that he could send a helper. Because Jesus ascended, now he sent his spirit so that we're never alone. Even when we're here on earth, before we raise, we have that hope for eternity, but we have hope now that we're not left alone, that he sent a helper, he sent a comforter, a healer. Uh, Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us, for us, with groanings too deep for words. And the picture that Jesus is with us, he is helping us along the way. So I pray that as I just share some of my random thoughts on Romans 8 and the hope that I have in a risen Savior during this Easter season, may you be encouraged that the resurrected Christ brings us hope for today and forever. Here is the recording of the live video that I referred to earlier in this session. I just wanted to hop on here really quick and uh, just share some thoughts with you ladies. Um, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is kind of giving up. Um, just some thoughts that I've been thinking about and um, I've had some extra time on my hands this last weekend and uh, last week. So I've been thinking a lot about suffering and what is suffering why does it exist? What does God do with it? Um, so I'm just going to share a few thoughts. If you have any interaction comments you want to make, if you jump on during the live, go ahead and comment. Um, it's not going to be a super pretty video, um, but 
just thought it would be good to come on here and share um, what I've been learning and um, try to start up the Growing in Brilliance videos again because I so love those hearing from you women um, what you have learned lately. So 2020 has definitely been a year um, for all of us. It's been a doozy. There's been a lot of crazy things and something that is really I think everyone, no matter if you're a believer or not, uh, would say our world is broken and there's a lot of suffering and trials that are going on right now in 2020. Um, and the thing that I can say is I don't know what you're going through. I don't know exactly the trials that you're going through, but I do know the God who does know what you're going through. And I know that he cares and none of us, none of us are exempt from suffering. Uh, sometimes I think that in culture we can like label someone who maybe is going through a lot of trials or a lot of suffering as, well, what do they do? Are they in some sort of hidden sin? Um, do they deserve this? That kind of thing. Uh, but what we see in the Bible is that's not always true. Sometimes, yes, some some of our trials are discipline from the Lord. Um, but that's only sometimes we know that God disciplines those he loves. And so when we go through a trial, that should be a question of, okay, God, what do you want me to learn from this? Is there any sin that I have not confessed that um, I need to confess and that you need to bring to light? But if the answer is no, then the other response to suffering would be the fact that God just has a greater plan for your life than you could ever even imagine. Uh, Romans 8, 18 says, <clears throat> I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And then just a few, few passages later, a few verses later, we see in Romans 8, 28, which everyone knows this, verse, we know that in all things, God works for the good who of those who love him. So our suffering isn't meaningless and it's not always a result of sin, but we can trust that because our suffering isn't meaningless, it's going to do something in our life. It's going to produce fruit in our life. It's not just, God's just not giving us suffering to just torture us. It's going to do something. And sometimes if we walk through a trial and maybe five or 10 years later, we can look back and go, I know exactly why that happened and look at what God has done. But that's not always the case either because we see in the Bible, people like Job who went through tremendous suffering and as far as we know, never learned why and didn't hear the rest of what we see in the Bible, um, why he went through those sufferings and trials. Um, but we can trust God's hand. Um, a helpful definition of suffering that I've come across is actually from this book. Suffering is Never for Nothing by Elizabeth Elliot. This is an awesome book. Kind of short read. Um, but, <clears throat> excuse my voice. Um, she defines suffering um, as... A very simplified definition saying, let me get to it here. Suffering is having what you don't want or wanting what you don't have 
when I first read that definition, I was like, okay, that's a little too simplified. It's a little elementary because I wouldn't say that I'm suffering if I don't have a cupcake when I want a cupcake. But I think what she's getting to is stripping it all down to the bare bones. And really, when someone gets a phone call um, or goes into the doctor and they say, you have cancer, you have something that you don't want. I don't want this. Or a godly single woman who so desires marriage and yet has not found that man in her life. She wants something that she doesn't have. And those are both trials that people go through. But either one, we know that God is in control. And the hope of Psalm 8411 says this, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. Let me just pause there. The sun gives light. It gives, if you, if you just take a moment and think of all the things that come from a sun, from our sun, light, energy, life, all of these things that we need, but it also can be destructive. If we have too much sun, that can cause drought. It can cause burns. So God's our sun. He provides what we need, but he's also our shield to protect us from things that we don't need or would be harmful for us. So for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who love him. God's not withholding anything from us or giving us anything that isn't good for us. We can trust him that when his answer is no, when it feels like he is withholding something, we can trust that he has a better, greater plan and he's always out for his glory and our good. So knowing that, what do we do in the midst of suffering? Because it's not if trials will come our way, it's when trials come our way. What do we do? Um, Four things that I've learned lately has been prayer, reading God's word, doing the next thing, and giving thanks. The prayer run, I'm going to be honest, I've struggled with that in different seasons of my life through trials, and that's because my thought of, okay, if God is sovereign, he's in control, he's going to do whatever he wants anyway. So why the heck should I even pray? Which is totally what Satan wants us to believe. But the fact is we can come to the Lord and Psalm 62 says it so beautifully. We can pour out our hearts before the Lord because he's a refuge for us. We can pour out those raw, hard prayers, knowing that God is big enough to take those prayers. He already knows what we're thinking. So we can bring that to him and say, God, I'm angry. That personally for me, that's been something that I've struggled with in this last season. The last several weeks has been anger towards the Lord. And I I didn't want it. I don't want to be angry towards the Lord. And just bringing it before him and saying, I am so angry about this. God, would you help me in my anger? And you know what happens when we ask for help? God gives it because we have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit inside of us can give us peace in our trials. He can give us um, perseverance. He can give us comfort and an understanding of who God is, that we can trust him and he's not out to harm us. Um, the other th- Another thing would be doing the next thing this sounds so simple, but in again, in Elizabeth Elliot's book, she talks about how 
sometimes we can get bogged down or overwhelmed by the sight of this like giant mountain of trial in front of us when we're standing in the bottom of the valley and we can just look up and just be so overwhelmed by how big it is and how little we are. But if we just take the next step, do the next thing and trust the Lord with everything else before you know it, you will have taken a lot of steps and made a lot of progress out of that valley with God's help because he's near and he is there with us in the valley. Um, The other thing that I've learned is giving thanks when we recognize that our trials are a gift from God and he's working through them, we can look and say, thank you, God. I know that this is hard, but I know that it is from you. Uh, Psalms 55 uh, says, cast your burdens onto the Lord for he cares for you. And this is so interesting. I never knew this, but the Hebrew word that's used here for burden is actually the word for gift. So cast all your gifts onto the Lord because he cares for you. Suffering is a gift because in our deepest, darkest um, times of trial and those, those burdens can just weigh us down, we can look to God and go, I know when I look back on my life, the times that I've had the most deepest, darkest trials are the times that I learned the deepest things about the Lord. So it is a gift. Um, but suffering will always always change us and whether we like it or not whenever we walk through a trial it will change us we might be changed to become more bitter hard-hearted angry or with the lord's help we can turn to be more um, soft towards him and dependent on him and that's when our hearts are like that that's when we can turn to him and say thank you Um, we can be patient and and affliction, hopeful in prayer. Um, We can trust that God is at work. Um, So reading your Bible, praying, doing the next thing, knowing that God's at work, but knowing also that God sees us and he cares. Uh, Tim Keller wrote a book called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. Another excellent book. I actually don't have it with me. I think I lent it out to somebody, but um, he talks about suffering in that book. And he says, suffering shows us how fragile we are. It doesn't make us helpless and out of control, but it merely shows us we have always been vulnerable and solely dependent on God. Isn't that so true that sometimes we can walk through life when trials aren't happening in our life when we'd be like, I don't need God. I'm totally fine. And then something can happen out of the blue and you realize how you are not in control and God is God. Um, But when we pray to God, we can know that God, Tim Keller says this, God will either give us what we ask or give us what we would have asked if we knew everything. God is omniscient. He's omnipresent. He knows all things. And so he's going to answer our prayers in the way that he knows what's best. Now, I've left the last one on purpose for getting into God's word. Uh, That is so important. And I've been asked by several people in the last year, what are some good books on suffering that I can read during this trial? My first suggestion is run to God's word. Just fill your heart and mind with God's word. 
and the truth that's in that. So if you're not starting in God's word, don't pick up one of these books to read. Start in God's word. But if you're already in his word and want another book to read, I have a few suggestions. Um, on a, obviously, this book, Elizabeth Elliot's um, Suffering's Never for Nothing. Tim Keller's book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, that's a good one. It is broken into two pieces. Uh, one section is, he says, read this if you're not going through a trial right now, but want to learn about suffering. And that's all about the philosophy of suffering, how our culture differs. Um, if we were to live on the, like in the East, their view of suffering is different than Western cultures. But then the second half of the book is so so good and it's for people who are walking through trials pain suffering um reminding us that we can grieve with hope because we aren't without hope uh that's first thessalonians 4. a couple other books that i would recommend um these are a little bit harder reads but this one's called between pain and grace um it's by peterson and schmutzer uh schmutzer was actually one of jake's professors at moody um, that's a good one. Um, it's a it's a big one, um, but that's a, a good read. Also, C.S. Lewis's Problem with Pain. Um, there's a lot of great podcast sermons out there. I'll try to find some of my favorite ones and link them in the comments. But currently what I'm going through right now is um, Knowing God by J.I. Packer. And you're probably going, okay, that's great. That's not really a book on suffering. But like I said before, when um, I was really struggling with anger and thinking, I don't know if I can trust God. Can I trust him? And I honestly think that the Holy Spirit just reminded me of this book. It's been on my reading list forever, and I just haven't gotten to it. Uh, but it starts off with a quote from C.S. Lewis in the book, how when we are walking through trials and we are confused, we feel like we're hopeless, we need to dwell on the things of who God is and his character, and that's, he says, it's a balm to our soul. And so really, reading in the Psalms and reading Knowing God has been such a great reminder of truth, of who is God. He's wise, he's in control, he's loving. What does it mean that God is loving, and how can he act out of that character? Um, so. That's what I'm reading right now. I'm about halfway through it. Um, it's really, really an awesome book. I would say anybody should read this book, Knowing God by J.I. Packer. But hopefully um, this is encouragement to someone listening out there. Um, I pray that we would be women at Candeo that can be open about our trials because we don't want to waste our trials. We can hide and that's just a waste. Um, but if we show others the goodness of God in our lives, that God is at work and our suffering isn't meaningless and we can trust him, know that wherever you go, whatever trial you're going through, God is right there with you. He's near and he's working. Love you, ladies.